This is Look West, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. November 1st, 2019 marked the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment in California. California became the sixth state where women could vote equally with men nine years before the 19th Amendment was ratified by the United States. The 19th Amendment made it law that all women in America would be allowed to vote in elections. Well, but not really. Women at the time were still faced with several barriers. In California, there were land ownership requirements, poll taxes, literacy tests, and the most obvious, ethnicity and racial limits. The right to vote in 1919 was secured for wealthy white women. Women of color had to split their energy and efforts between gender equality and racial equality fights. Although California would like to see itself as better than the Jim Crow South, we had our own barriers to voting for our non-white population. This is Christina Cano. And this is Bella Romero with Look West. Our host, Assemblymember Dr. Shirley Weber, and guest, Dr. Huma Ahmed Ghosh, share with us their knowledge on the history of voting rights in California for the last hundred years, how California is leading the nation on lowering barriers to voting, as well as their own stories fighting for equitable representation. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Shirley Weber, and I'm an Assemblymember representing California's 79th Assembly District, and this is Look West. I should also indicate that I'm also was once a professor at San Diego State University for 40 years, and so this is an extremely important topic to me as we talk about women in history. We're here to talk about the 100th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment here in California. Uh, my guest is really not just a, the professor in the Department of Women's Studies at San Diego State, Dr. Huma Ahmed Ghosh, but she's also a friend, and we've traveled together, and so I know her passion uh, for women, her passion for history, and I'm honored to have her here with me today. She is a published researcher internationally, recognized for her scholarship on Muslim women in South Asia and the diaspora. She works with and studies women groups involved in peace activism, regional cooperation, and economic development of women. Welcome, Huma. It's so good to have you here. Well, it is entirely my pleasure, and thanks for making me sound so good. But it is a real honor to be with you in this room today. So as the 100th year of the suffrage uh, rights are coming together, um, we are looking at, we want to talk about some uh, specifically California, but of course it's going to be difficult to talk about California without talking about the origins of the whole uh, debate and the struggle for rights. And um, I want to say it out front how sexist and racist it was, because mm -hmm. there's no point beating around the bush on that one. And so even though in uh, we had the 19th Amendment, uh, it was not necessary that everybody did get the, the right to vote. So maybe we can talk about that. And, uh, and also, specifically with California, about temperance and what, you know, it did to the women's vote. Well, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, because normally when you study about women's right to vote mm. in 19, and the 100th anniversary of it, uh, the interesting thing is that when you, in the context of all the things happening in, in, the, in the United mm -hmm. States, uh, this was obviously one of the most important things that was happening for women at the time. But if we ask ourselves what was going on with African-American women, uh, we discovered that 1919 was the red summer of 1919, where there were lots of assaults and attacks mm -hmm. on African-Americans. They call it the red summer because so much blood was shed mm -hmm. that it was like a, a red river going mm -hmm. on. Uh, African-Americans had come back from the war uh, and had come back with, uh, with the thought that they would be welcomed 
and into the United States as full citizens, only to discover once again they were going to be discriminated against. And uh, and so you had a lot of things going on. You had all of the movements with the NAACP and the various organizations being developed at that time. You had Marcus Garvey and the nationalist movement mm-hmm. uh, in the United States at that time. And so what happened in 1919 was really a surge of, uh, of African-American activism because of the fact that they had fought in the war, World War I, felt that uh, coming home they would be welcomed back into the United States as full citizens, only to have men lynched in their uniforms in the South. And so this was quite a blow uh, that was there. So w- there were women involved in, 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 the, uh, in the women's movement. But when you start talking about priorities and where do you put your energy and efforts, uh, you have a lot of them very involved in the lynching movement and, mm-hmm. uh, and the efforts to try to create some opportunity in communities uh, that were being snatched away once folks came back from the war. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it, was an, it was an interesting time yeah. when you study 1919 in terms of activism. Yeah, yeah you're really right. And uh, I think uh, you hit the nail on the head by talking about citizenship. Because uh, that was the crux of the whole uh, divide and debates on uh, women's uh, suffrage movement. And so interestingly, citizenship, which formed the core of the movement and for women's rights, starting from the mid-1800s, in California it was interesting because it was the temperance movement, which was started by white elite Protestant women who also joined the bandwagon of the suffrage movement because they thought if they got the right to vote. (laughs) And they were interestingly defining citizenship in terms of their morality and moral honor. And as white women, how they were responsible for the moral womanhood of the nation and um, the reason I bring this up, because not only was it specific to California, it was the larger debate when the white women did not want blacks or black men to get the vote because they did not see them as citizens. Yes. And so in the whole struggle leading up to 1920 with the 19th Amendment, we see that over a period of 30 to 40 years, they were trying to deny minorities, as we would call them today, Uh, their rights, because the main thing was they did not see them as one of them stated as even evolved enough to be citizens. Yes. And so with this morality um, issue, the white elite women, especially the Protestants, saw themselves as being the gateway to morality of the USA and therefore kept other women and men of color out of the issue and which was interesting because many men of course objected to them as well as women in southern california because other women's groups said no that's a real moral issue we don't uh, want to bring that in as a demand for rights because we want to be citizens as contributing citizens because citizenship was defined mainly in terms of white men who had jobs and who were educated and so it ruled out all the others so that's interesting and then so it really what you were saying about men black men or the community even looking for rights as citizens was so problematic and deliberately denied that it affected the whole suffragist movement 
Yeah, and California has a, um, uh, we, we have a tendency to think of California as being this other place that mm-hmm. was not like the South, it was not yeah. like the East, that this was this new territory that didn't have mm-hmm. limitations. And so African Americans, even who moved uh, from the South to California, uh, assumed that there would be a different kind of life for them. And in some ways it was because of the fact that it was a larger area, geographical area, and people mm-hmm. could kind of move around a bit, and, and the segregation was not as apparent. In other words, they you know they didn't have uh, big signs of water fountains, the, the colored mm-hmm. and the white and so forth and so on. Yet we had, we had laws that basically uh, made that a reality. In other words, in that, the South, yeah, it, 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 yeah we in had the, laws in yeah, California exactly. in that actually mm-hmm. made a segregation yeah. a reality because of the housing patterns yes. and the laws against mm. selling property to different individuals, uh, limits as to how many people of color you could have in any particular activity, mm-hmm. uh, ownership. Uh, you know, how, who owns land and having these requirements that you have to own land, as well as who you could sell your land to. You know, a lot of those those things yeah. are still written in people's uh, documents, uh, ownership uh, documents that are there. They're no longer legal in California. They can't be enforced, but they give us an insight into how much uh, discrimination was there was. And, and, and even, you know, moving up into uh, uh, beyond that period, when we start talking about real segregation, you know, we always talk about that, which is law de jure, but we also talked about de facto, which means, in essence, that is the fact of the matter, that we had segregated schools and segregated mm-hmm. places for people to live and those kinds of things. And so those barriers were there. California had poll taxes at some point where mm-hmm, people had to mm-hmm. pay to vote yes, uh, and yes. those kinds of things. So there were a number of barriers that, that existed. Uh, the difference, like I could say, in California was that because people who coming from the South didn't feel as great amount of oversight mm-hmm. as um, as they had in living in the South because they lived close together. So they mm-hmm. didn't see the 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 fact that you could not go to a certain school and and you'd pass by mm-hmm. a white school to get to a black school or vice versa uh, because the housing patterns were such that there was discrimination in housing. So you if you went to the school in your neighborhood, it was going to be black because the neighborhood was black. Yeah. And so uh, so we had the same kind of challenges that were there mm-hmm. uh, that were but. And and I think African Americans realize in this whole process of of getting the vote, women getting the vote, that um, it would not probably have little impact upon them, mm-hmm. uh, because when uh, the original uh, vote was given, quote unquote, at the end of slavery, it did not impact women, but it mm-hmm. also in, in the South didn't impact African Americans either it because not, of the barriers. Yeah, exactly. It didn't impact the men either. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. They didn't get the right to vote. Yeah, even though it was the 14th and 15th mm-hmm. Amendment right. that gave them rights after a big, big. As I said earlier, racism and sexist struggle by the white women suffragists who were the leaders of the movement. It did not because of all the restrictions, as you say. But how far has it got the women? And, well, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a real question because, yeah. and, and I sometimes agonize over that because I think of how much... Yeah. Um, how much energy, how much, res- how much resources yeah. we put into not only the right to vote, but the whole issue of women's rights and, and mm-hmm. ERA and yes, you know, trying to get that passed and, 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 and the barriers yeah, to that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, you think most of us think that it passed and, and it is not. <laughs> and, you know, so so we there are a lot of things that happen that keep indicating in some way mm-hmm. uh, that that women's rights and, and the whole issue of voting is still very uh, tempered by yeah. uh, by the domination of males and and, and sexism exactly. that's that's there. You know, I was um, in the last election. I was just as most of us were blown away 
over the fact that the reason why Hillary Clinton didn't win was women. Yes. That shocked the heck out of mm-hmm. most of us because we kind of live in a liberal bubble, I think, to mm-hmm. a certain extent, and totally unaware of the fact that women have difficulty voting, voting. for women. Yeah. And so why, And so men had, had difficulty giving women the vote because mm-hmm. they thought, well, if these women got the right to vote, they will take over the world. The world yeah. And what we have seen is that they haven't taken over the world yeah. in, in the United States. And and this and the loss of it of the last election because yes. women didn't vote for a woman, I, that was just yeah, mind so boggling. It, it would be comparable to Obama losing because black people wouldn't black vote for him. You know, it's, uh, it, it's just you know unbelievable. Shirley, maybe twelve or thirteen years ago, I'm reminded of a conversation with you in the hallways of the third floor in Arts and Letters <laughs> at San Diego State University. It was the primaries with Obama and Hillary Clinton. And it was very, very early, and people thought this was Hillary's chance. Yes. And you had this, you know, the wicked smile that you have sometimes, <laughs> and you said no. You were one of the very few who said no, and you said, you know, they won't vote for a white woman. The white men won't vote for a white woman because it will challenge their power. Yes. And it's like sitting at the dining table <laughs> and your wife is the president. Huh, I said, and then I continued to quote you till it became really clear that Obama... <laughs> Well, it, but, it, was, it was shocking. It was, uh, um, but you're right. And, and I thought uh, we had gotten beyond that. Hmm. You know, know, at least know. enough. Hmm. I thought we'd gotten far enough of beyond course, it, uh, especially given yeah. her opposition. Yeah. I just thought we had finally gotten yeah. to this point hmm. that we opened the door and an African American male walked yeah. in, and the world didn't end. Yeah. In fact, it I may have gotten true. better. Okay. Yeah. You know, everybody thought, oh, if yeah. he becomes president, we all go to hell in a handbasket. You know, we'll, you know, and it did. So it didn't. That didn't happen. In fact, he was our scandal. Scandalous president, okay, thank God. But scandal less, less yes. is what she means. Scandal less, <laughs> yes. We did not have scandals. And um yeah. so the thing that that so as a result of that, so you figure, okay, he laid a he laid a good groundwork yeah. for 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 the future, for people to be open. And so when she comes along the second time and people find minor yeah. flaws and this and that, and and she doesn't win. I mean, she wins a popular vote. We know that. But we know that. All yeah. the other stuff. So, but yeah. but it was just, it was yeah, mind-boggling. Uh, and then when they disagregated the data and discovered exactly. that the people who didn't <clears throat> vote for her were white women, women yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. You, you, you say to yourself, yeah. how long? So you, you know, know like, how long? Uh, it's interesting because 100 years later, we're almost repeating the struggle and the patterns because, again, the white, the black man got the vote before the white woman. Yes. Even though the white women were wives and leaders of the elite group, their <laughs> own men were not supporting them. Yes. You know, again, and, and it's interesting because even when I was looking at some data on California, it was very interesting how many they were anti-suffragist women who were the elite women, you know. So, um, for, frankly, for me as an outsider, sometimes I like to pretend I'm an outsider since I came from <laughs> India, but I've been here 30 plus years. Um, my sense in the 38 years that I have lived in the U.S. is that race continues for me to be the really the biggest issue that we need to wrestle with. I, for some reason, feel that gender was is not that big as race. When I look around what has been going on in this country for 30 plus years, but when it has come to the polls, mm-hmm. yes, it is the women. So it really makes you wonder what is really going on. And maybe our 
really our departments of women's studies, gender studies, or even feminists uh, living in a bubble. Yeah. And that's and, that, and I think know, that's because what, they yeah. are white and elite. Maybe they think they have the privilege of class and race. I don't know what it is, but uh, Shirley, what would you think of the works and efforts of Shirley Chisholm, for example? Well, you know, I mean, Shirley Chisholm, um, you know, was was flash in the pan, or did it have a trickle well, down kind of? Well, I think it, it has had. You know, one of the things that's been interesting, um, and I, I sometimes don't think people. Um, thoroughly understand either Shirley Chisholm or black women or whatever it is. Uh, even way back, I was telling someone recently uh, with uh, Sojourner Truth and Ain't I a Woman, yeah. you know, most people exactly. think that, misunderstand that as, as a feminist thing. And basically she was saying, I am never treated like a woman. Yeah. You know, I am not treated like a woman. Mm. And I think that is true even for me as an elected yeah. official. You feel that? Oh, yeah. yes, most definitely. Really? Mm. Uh, the assumption is that we can work hard and we can carry the burden. Uh, nobody seems to basically soften their language for me. Mm. I mean, if if I'm going to be attacked by the police, they're going to come after me as much as they possibly can, where they may feel like, as a woman, that she couldn't carry mm. this burden. Yeah. Um, when we look at the the, the woman in Atlanta, uh, the mm. mayor there, uh, the, the, who ran for governor, excuse governor, me. Governor, governor. Yeah. Yes, I mean, we, we look at her, and, and what we see in her is strength exactly. and power and um and so we don't have the same kind of reality that's there. And mm. so when we start thinking about, you know, what did Shirley Chisholm do? Shirley Chisholm, her theme was, you know, unbought and un and unbossed. Mm. I mean, and she was. Mm. And she raised the 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 the, the, the basically the consciousness mm -hmm. with regards to black women. And um and black women, and the, whether it's Maxine Waters, and Maxine. you look at you look at the current president, exactly. he attacks these black women yes. and women of color without regard. But he has mm -hmm. he pays homage to those who are thin mm -hmm. and who are mm -hmm. blonde and who are Nordic yeah. looking, uh, because that's what he sees as an important piece in his life. And so we women of color have always been these fighters, mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the reasons why we. Uh, Folks can depend mm -hmm. on us, mm -hmm. whether it's a minister in the church or whether That's it's a true. politician or whatever, because those women are solid. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I, I was laughing because back in uh, when I was a uh, doing some some work on the O.J. Simpson trial, mm -hmm. and when O.J. Simpson's trial, when you look at it, the majority of the people in that trial were black women, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 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 Johnny Cochran knew that that if he got to those black women, and they understood what was going on, that there would be nobody who could change their mind. Because black women, when they make up their mind, that's the end of it. And they are not wishy-washy. And most of those women on that jury, one of them was my friend, was a black yeah. were black women. women and, and and whites were totally unaware in in the jury pool. Yes. But Johnny Cochran understood that they that black women are strong, they mm -hmm. fight, and they and they and they can hold their opinion and they're not concerned about mm -hmm. all these other things with mm -hmm. regards to whether or not somebody's gonna be impressed by them. Yeah. So when we begin to look at it, you know, and so black women still to this day, if you look at the the women in the legislature, mm -hmm. whether it's you know, the Holly Mitchells and and um, Burke and others, they, we are we are a cadre of very yeah. strong women who vote very strong in in the assembly. And the same is true with those in in Washington. When we think of yeah. California's legislators, we think yeah. of Maxine Waters immediately. And, because and I want to take you, off from what you're just saying is because the of the black women lobby, if one wants to call it, because mm -hmm. there was another very interesting thing, which again you know, brings out the race and gender issue 
in the white feminist movement or women's movement, and that was that of Anita Hill. Yes, yes. And the white women appropriated her and wanted to use exa- only the feminist lens. Right. And not bring in the race issue or the black community, really, at mm-hmm. some level, or the black feminists. And it backfired. Yes. Yeah. And so you're very right about this lobby that of the black women that uh, and they we, have to be wary of. And, but and, at and, some we, and level. We're, we're ever conscious of it, um, it whether it's dealing with um, mm. important issues uh, at the Capitol mm. or whether it's the, the women's organization, the caucus. Mm. You know, we have a tendency to, you know, black women have a tendency to kind of look back and observe mm. because oftentimes the things they're fighting about or they're mm-hmm. discussing mm-hmm. are things we did 15, 20 years ago. Years ago know. You know, we have had to fight not only the woman's battle, but we've also had to fight the male battle. And you the know, race and battle, yeah, that yeah. is the whole so, thing. So, we say so that, the, double, you know, the double double oppression double oppression is there. Yeah, and so, right, yeah. so women are pretty, black women, women of color, particularly African-American yeah. women, are pretty much uh, aware of that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was interesting to me, I remember when I became a member of the school board, one of my colleagues who was white yeah. was getting a divorce. And the yeah. first thing she did in getting a divorce was to change her registration from a Republican to a Democrat. Okay. I thought it was interesting. And I, and I said, well, yeah. why were why you to, a Republican? She says, well, my husband would not allow me Ooh. to be a, a, anything but a Republican. So for peace in the family for 30 years, she registered as a Republican, mm. but voted her conscience. Now, I thought that was so bizarre because there would be no way in the world my father mm. could tell my mother, and my father worked every day, and my mother was a housemaker, <laughs> yeah. that she had to register a certain mm-hmm. particular way or that he was going to control her vote. <laughs> that just wasn't going to happen uh, in, in my mother's and my family's uh, situation. And my father was the breadwinner, Bread quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the idea that you could tell a black woman that she could not register to vote how she mm-hmm. wanted to register to vote was very bizarre to me. And I said, and you, she did this for 30 years yeah. to, to make peace with this husband. Which Although, didn't work <laughs> out. She was on the wrong track. She was on the wrong track from the very beginning. The very and beginning, so I thought to myself, yeah. oh my God, you know, yeah, that uh, is voting the sad part, yeah. is the sad part is yeah. and voting is so important yeah. and affects people's yeah. lives and what they do that you would basically allow someone to own your vote. Mm-hmm. Um, very and bizarre. To, yeah. And, you know, and to, I have used in my teaching and research, theoretically, when you have to frame scholarly articles, even though you just want to speak your mind, <laughs> is that uh, I have used theories of uh, that talk about black women because mm-hmm. for Muslim women, too, it's similar kinds of dilemmas. Do mm-hmm. you sort of protect your, the men in your community who are seen as right. terrorists? And at the same time, the clergy in Islam or amongst Muslim communities want women to be become conservative again. <laughs> and so these dilemmas uh, are hard to deal with and wrestle with. And uh, I feel that when I look at the literature on the suffragist movement, uh, definitely black women were pushed a lot, right. when, especially the insistence on having the black man get his vote before all women and even white women Mm -hmm. uh, split and became a dilemma for black women and who to support. And it was interesting and rightfully they supported the vote for the black man because they felt that at least it would give them some power in in the families and all of that. So that was interesting. But Mm -hmm. what became very disappointing was then when the amendment, 19th amendment was passed, that black women specifically 
who were seen as citizens, by the way, unlike Native Americans, interestingly, and Asians, for them, the struggle for citizenship was uh, very extended, where the black women were not able to vote. And in California specifically, we find that even though the earliest discussions in the 1800s about women's suffragists were coming from Native American <laughs> examples of the Iroquois and the other right. groups, I mean, even Stanton and I'll talk about mm -hmm. it, but they were not seen as citizens and neither were the Asians and the Asian Americans for the longest time, and so therefore did not have a right to vote. But when black women did have the right, there were so many obstacles that it took about 40, 50 years for them yes. to vote. So I have a question now that you are up there in mm -hmm. Sacramento. And what do you see the future? Now we have in a crucial position again. Yes. Next year is a big year. And again, I think we are, I am going into it very, very hopeful. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, well, I, I was hopeful last time, too. Yeah, I, so was hope, not, I was hopeful yeah. last time, too. Yeah. You know, one of the one I think the key, uh, particularly for women and, and I think African-Americans and Latinos and others mm -hmm. recognize it, that, you know, central to our future and trying to mm -hmm. get things done is going to be the education of our children to make yeah. sure that they don't have the same. And we haven't done that with women yet. Mm. We have I not, know, we we have not penetrated the K-12. Yeah. We've kept it we at the more yeah. intellectual level. We've kept it at that level. But we mm. have not begun to mm. realize that we have to change the ideas yeah. and attitudes of our children from the time they're born yeah. uh, through, through all of their schooling mm. that's there to really begin to yeah. talk about it. Because like Generations. I said, I was shocked when I discovered mm. that. And then when I go around the world mm. and I see these women, who are running the world, who yeah, are in yeah, charge yeah, yeah. of countries and what have you. And I'm thinking, we are supposed to be this, quote, unquote, the mm -hmm. progressive individuals, yet no, we not have not all. been progressive. California's never had a female governor. Mm -hmm. uh, we had one who yeah, ran Yeah, I'm looking before. at the list of governors while you're talking. We've never had been, a female yeah. governor. Um, you know, so when you start asking yeah. those questions, I mean, and our delegation of women, mm. we have women who are in the delegation in Congress, but, you know, we've, and we, and we were seeing a decline in women running for the assembly. And so the women's caucus had to get busy and basically try to increase the numbers. And we've seen the increase of women now coming in. So I think all of that's going to happen. Uh, you know, we have, uh, I serve on the um, elections committee, uh, and uh, I think I've been on it for the last seven years, and election and the redistricting. Um, and I think the important thing is that we are we're opening up all kinds of avenues because we're realizing that uh, we have to provide the opportunity to vote uh, in so many different ways so that we'll have a longer period for people to vote. You know, they won't have to be the one day, one experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we see that is happening here and will be happening in California. We're increasing the number of people who can vote by mail. Mm -hmm. uh, we are increasing the opportunity to register to vote online as well as making it possible for kids in high school to register to vote in, in advance of their opportunity to vote. So I think there are a lot of things that are pushing, and we in the last election we saw a great turnout yeah. of people voting. So we're trying to make it the kind of thing that everyone mm -hmm. does um, and, that, uh, and that we are opening these voting centers instead mm -hmm. of just polling booths where people can go in libraries and wherever and drop it off with this mass mm -hmm. list that will uh, be able to identify you wherever you are in California so that you don't have to run home to vote. You can vote if you're in, Nor if you're in La Jolla. You can go vote even though you live in Southeast San yeah. Diego. So I think we've done a lot. Yeah. I don't know if we've done enough. We will only determine that in, if someone tells us that there was a barrier to them voting and yeah. this is why they didn't vote. 
vote. But I think giving the time frame, the a vote by mail, the increasing the yeah. the what they call the voting centers and all that other stuff. I think we will get to those who want to vote, and we have yeah. to make sure that we give them something to vote for. And we are seeing a rapid increase in elected officials. Mm -hmm. I think San Diego is an amazing city. Yes. I think maybe the maximum number are coming mm -hmm. from San Diego, and uh, uh, definitely a spike in Latinas. Mm -hmm. So elected officials from the state are increased. A lot of women are. And I think uh, many ethnic uh, niches are also prioritizing their communities uh, uh, to vote. And there is um, yeah. education going on within the communities. And I see that when I work, for example, with the refugees in El Cajon, there's a push to, you know, have the ballot, have Arabic on the p ballot, too, mm -hmm. you know. Exactly. And so that, and then the Latino communities are pushing for it. So mm -hmm. there is a strong sense, and in San Diego also a very strong connection of many departments with communities. Women's Studies mm -hmm. Department is very active in, uh, you know, education, and we have somebody who's also on the, mm -hmm. who's a delegate. Right. So I think for women and minorities, the city is working mm -hmm. very hard and seeing it in action, like yeah. run, women run, and yeah. all of that. And we the all, elected yeah. officials are there, yeah. yeah. And we've all, and of course, women need to have a major registration of women yeah. uh, this time uh, in California, mm -hmm. you know. And we have, between now and uh, we have the March election coming up, but then after that we have the big November election. Mm -hmm. So we exactly. have a lot of opportunity to register people to vote, and we should make sure that every person yeah. is registered to vote. I mean, it's a really interesting year because not only is it 100 years of the suffragist movement, but it may be one of the most crucial elections in the history of U.S. Yeah. Thanks to Dr. Weber and Dr. Ahmed Ghosh. I'm Christina Cano. And I'm Bella Romero. Thanks for listening to Look West. The Look West podcast is produced by the California Assembly Democrats. Please subscribe and rate this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And when you think of California and politics, remember to look west.